This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Uh, welcome to the Bite Size Business Breakfast Podcast, best bits from Tuesday, January the 9th, where we spoke to Fahim Aziz, the Chief Executive Officer of Safa Capital, one of two uh, capital companies joining us live this morning. Uh, why? Well, we wanted to get from Fahim a bit of a focus on all things Saudi Arabia. NBC uh, went live on the bourses yesterday brilliant first day of trading for them. That was one half of the element. But we wanted also to get a bit more from Fahim about the outlook for 2024 when it came to IPOs uh, and stocks out of Saudi Arabia more specifically. It was an all-star cast in the studio this morning, where the privilege of being joined by the founder, chairman and the managing director of Asta DM Healthcare, Dr. Azad Mupin, was live with us in studio. Why? Asta agreeing to sell a majority stake in its Gulf business to an investor group. We wanted to find out all the details from the founder chairman himself, who was kind enough to join us live. As was the executive chairman of Wamda Capital, Fadi Gandor. He was in studio. Uh, interesting report about startup funding across the region. Got all of us in studio scratching our heads. It seemed to paint a little bit of a negative picture, but thankfully, uh, Fadi Gandor was in studio to explain more, and it's not as dismal as it seems. Uh, meanwhile, commodities very much high on our list, not one but two, uh, both oil and sugar. Uh, we got some insight into the uh, falling oil price uh, from Ed Bell of Emirates MBD. We also looked at the rising sugar price with the team from Sugar Moo. And uh, we looked at some of the stocks and the way that they were reacting, uh, especially that NBC stock on the first day of trading. That's all right here on the Bite Size Business Breakfast podcast, only on Dubai I 103.8. First up, though, let's crunch the commodities if we can, starting with the black stuff from Richard Dean. Uh, what's been happening with all things oil? Falling, Thomas, down 4% in trade yesterday as Saudi Arabia cut prices of sales to Asia. Ed Bell, Senior Director, Market Economics, Emirates MBD. Oil markets recorded a sharp drop overnight, Brent futures closing at their lowest levels so far in 2024. The immediate catalyst seems to have been a steep cut in Saudi Ramco's official selling price, which the company charges to buyers that have a long-term agreement with Aramco. Oil is getting very few signals so far this year, but many of them have been soft. PMI numbers for China from December were weaker than expected, and there was also a drop in Indian manufacturing data. Inventory numbers for oil have also pointed to softer demand, at the very end of last year at least, with a surge in U.S. gasoline and diesel stockpiles. Additional cuts from several OPEC-plus countries took effect at the start of this year, but we're going to have to wait until the end of January at least before we can assess if they are being implemented in full or if they're having much of an impact on markets. For now, oil prices look to be vulnerable to changing sentiment on the outlook and could spend some more time at around their current levels. Ed Bell, Senior Director, Market Economics at Emirates NBD, talking all things commodities. Essentially, what's happened is that Saudi Arabia is cutting prices and analysts are saying, well, this is a sign that there's weakness in demand. On the supply side, Saudi Arabia is already cutting millions of barrels a day from its production. It's leading the OPEC plus consortium in cutting oil production. And if Saudi Arabia is cutting prices, despite all that massive cut in supply, there are concerns 
among the oil fraternity and sorority that this could be um, that this could be an issue. Brandy, I know you're speaking on a panel in a couple of days' time this week, aren't you, about the role of OPEC? And you were talking to one expert yesterday, saying OPEC is being beaten with two different sticks and they're basically not they're, they're, they're mutually exclusive yeah indeed i was uh, having a chat to one oil economist yesterday um pauline who said to me you've got two sort of stories playing out at the same time uh one is the story that opec is sort of keeping a floor under prices um effectively a cartel um driving through these cuts um control of the oil market and that's an old sort of narrative, if you like. And the other is that OPEC is losing dominance due to the the mergers in the US, the rise again of shale, um, and that it's losing its own unity and Gola pulling out and some of the cuts being uh, by individual countries rather than unilateral. And he said, you can't have both of these being true at the same time. So which is it? Either OPEC's got all the market power or it's becoming irrelevant and losing that market power. Um, And that is one of the things um, that we are going to be debating tomorrow morning. Staying with commodities, this time though, Brandy, the price of sugar. Tom Urquhart has got a sugar playlist for us this morning, if the gremlins in the system will allow him to play it. Indeed. Talking about another commodity this morning, the price of sugar. Droughts in India and Thailand pushing up uh, the price of sugar around the world to decade highs. We've asked Chloe Tuck, whose job it is to come up with pudding recipes at Sugarmoo Dessert, what they're seeing. So we've actually seen a 15% increase in sugar recently, which is extremely high. So to do this, we've actually tried to use more natural na- natural sweeteners like honey, maple syrup, fruits. And we've actually cut our sugar percentage in our desserts by about 3% to just help with the pricing increase so that we don't have to increase our prices that affect our customers. And it's not just sugar. Almost the opposite problem in some parts of West Africa, excessive precipitation, to use the market term, um, means that there's an issue of black rock Black rot, even, which is pushing up cocoa futures in some places to 50 year highs. What are we seeing here? We've seen a 7% rise in chocolate as well. That's something that we are now currently struggling with, but we are evaluating to see what we can do about this so that we don't have to increase our prices. Yeah, more from uh, Chloe on the podcast. Always happy uh, to talk about a pudding at seven o'clock in the morning. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Where we are looking at quite a dramatic 2023 year in review when it comes to investment in startups, showing $4 billion raised by startups in the wider region. It's growth, but at just under 2%, uh, the Wonder Capital Report is calling it dismal. Very pleased to be joined by the executive chairman, Fadi Gandor. Fadi, it's lovely to see you again. Good morning. Good to be here. Good morning. So what first is the bigger picture here? Uh, you say that there is more than just the headline number at play. 
So the big picture is uh, that the region is still having a quite uh, a robust activity. I mean, yes, it's a bit down. It's it's part of a global uh, story. Startups uh, globally, technology globally has had much less investment, uh, specifically out of the U.S. So we can't punish ourselves too much here in the region. We're just part of the rest of the world. Uh, investors look at the world uh, as, as one big unit. So deploying uh, at the end of the day, when it stops somewhere, it will eventually come and, and hit uh, a certain market. We're uh, the other headline that I'd say is that this region is still very young. This is about, uh, you know, not more than eight years old in terms of an ecosystem. And uh, most of the startups that got funded were uh, series uh, seed uh, and A, so very early stage. Well, let's break this down. Let's start with that headline number yeah. and look at the reason that actually for most of this, you've got two numbers. You've got a headline number and then you've got a number when you strip out debt financing. Why is that so important in this report? So so the debt financing is really for two companies uh, specifically, Tamara and Tabby. These are the buy now, pay later uh, companies uh, that need a balance sheet uh, and need debt because they're about borrowing. You know, e-commerce is the biggest uh, activity in the in the tech space. And these companies continue to grow uh, that do e-commerce. And so they need that. So uh, you will find that there's about over uh, a billion and a half dollars in debt available for these two companies. So you can extract that out if you want and then look at the equity investing. uh, And you'll find that that's where the, the drop is. And I'm looking at the numbers here, and as you say, discounting yes. debt financing, we've got a drop of nearly 35% of the amount raised. Correct. Is that the still the funding winter, the funding desert we've been talking about? Yeah, it's it's still slow. I mean, I, you can't take that way. I mean, we cannot make it more uh, a bit more beautiful. It is. Uh, it has been a time. Uh, last year was a time of slowing investing in in the tech space across the region. Let's look at the the UAE, and I'm going to take the yes. wording from this report, yes. which says that the UAE's dominance ended last year, seeing both funding value and the number of deals drop. What's going on? Uh, I think uh, this uh, this uh, country here has been uh, is the oldest in the region in in the space. It is the most mature, so it's the first one to get affected. Uh, when there is a global uh, slowdown and there is really an incredible amount of funding happening in Saudi Arabia. One, because it's starting from a different base and much later than uh, uh, than the UAE. And so and so you will see a bit more funding over there because the market is just emerging if you want. So, again, I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, for us as investors also, we feel that there is less companies pitching. Uh, but you, you still have about uh, 250 deals out of the UAE. You mentioned Saudi there, and it was one of only yeah. three countries that saw a rise in funding value. Yeah. But a lot of that is down to just a couple of companies. Yeah, indeed. And, and uh, you know, if you take uh, Tabby, Tabby is, is, had been, uh, was started here. Uh, it's a UAE emerged companies. It eventually moved to Saudi late last year. Uh, because uh, 80% of its business in Saudi Arabia. So it moved over there. So you will see that number 
instead of being booked as a UAE uh, number, it was booked as a Saudi number, but they only moved in December. So <laughs> they were 11 months over here. So the numbers are, uh, you know, we were just very, very particular about where we booked the numbers, but the reality is a bit more nuanced. Do we have to worry about competition for where these startups are based? Do we need to look at companies migrating from one country to another to Saudi Arabia? Uh, I think I think uh, companies in general and startups follow markets. So uh, you will see companies that have uh, a bigger presence in Saudi Arabia uh, going to Saudi Arabia. I, I see that that's a healthy competition. Uh, I, th- I see companies that uh, are in need to have global presence outside of this region. You will see them continue to be based in, in the UAE, doing business in Africa and South Asia and other markets. They will be based in between Dubai and Abu Dhabi. I mean, that is what we've been seeing. Talk to me about the international interest in this region. Right. We have spoken on this show in the last six months to a number right. of US VCs and VC fixes, if you like, saying that they've never seen so many people coming into this region, not to take money just out of it, but to put money back in. And yet you've got 70% of all the deals last year coming from investors in In this region. Yeah. And I think that's healthy. I think we will see more of it as the as the ecosystem matures. Uh, And I'll tell you also that General Atlantic just invested in... uh, in one of the companies that did not get announced yet here. So that you have some of the big names coming to invest here. But last year, again, part of the reason this dropped is last year there was a big retrenchment among the big funds, specifically uh, Silicon Valley-based funds, because they went back to look after their own companies when, 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 when the winter arrived, if you want, mm-hmm. in this ecosystem. But you will see them as the markets stabilize. You will see them coming back in because this is, again, one of the last emerging regions in tech. So they want to be here. And the sovereign wealth funds are telling all these investors that come to take money out they're telling them you need to allocate some of your investing in this region. So the Mubadalas, the ADQs, the PIF in Saudi Arabia are very specific nowadays and saying you need to look at this region also. You can't just take our money and, and not look at this region. So you will see that as part of the, uh, of, of the impact of new money coming from the West specifically. There's also some Chinese money coming in. We're only nine days into the new year, Fadi. But what do you think the money is likely to look like this year? One minute left with you. Well, well, if the interest rates are going to go down, you're going to see people deploying more in, in equity uh, investing in, uh, in startups. So, again, the interest rate at 5.5%, it, it stopped people from uh, looking at other asset classes uh, and waiting for the inflation to go down in the West. So we'll see, I think, more activity, more towards the second half of the year. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. We've had Fadi Gandor. He is the boss at Wamda Capital, the executive chairman there, talking to us about their new report, the year in review for 2023, which did see uh, a drop in the number of transactions here in the UAE in the amount raised. But as Fadi says, it is part of a bigger global story. We appreciate your time. 
Thank you so much. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. One stock doing well over the past year is Asta DM Healthcare, listed in India but founded by the UAE businessman Dr. Azad Mupan. Share price closing at just over 400 rupees a share yesterday. That has almost doubled over the past year. Delighted to welcome into the studio aforementioned founder, chairman, and managing director Dr. Azad Mupan. Dr. Mupan, good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much. Big changes for Asta, the company you founded this year, selling a billion-dollar stake, particularly in your UAE business, to a group of investors. Tell us about this deal and why you're doing it. Yeah. So we have been uh, born and brought up in uh, GCC, in UAE, uh, 37 years back. And uh, five years back, we took a decision that we should go to the public market and at that time, it was thought that India is the best place because there's a huge demand, demand supply gap. And so we t- decided to list the company in India, even though 80% of our business was in GCC. That appeared to be a wrong decision, in fact, in retrospect, when we look at, because the India market was not giving the value for the GCC business. So the stock started trailing and far below our peer group. So we thought there is a requirement to relook at it and it did Again, a lot of analysis and a lot of uh, uh, investment bankers and consultants. And finally decided, uh, last year, board decided that we should segregate these two businesses, which have got its own two separate realities and focus on two businesses. So India is going to be the listed company remaining like that, selling the GCC business to a consortium in which we are also partners. Along with Fajar Capital, we are taking the GCC business private. So, looking at the share price of Astadium Healthcare in India, you IPO'd at 180, 190 dirhams? 190, we started off with a 183. 183. Then you went down to about 100 just before COVID. You were unloved by the stock market, but now you're up at, at 400. I didn't buy shares in your company <laughs> pre-COVID, sadly. I wish I had done, though. It's essentially the same company, though. How could the markets get it so wrong in 2019, 2020? Yeah. So what happened, one, of course, was COVID, which was affecting all the companies and share prices went down. That's a time when we went down even below 100 at that point of time. But uh, like what I said, the India analysts as well as the investors, they can't track or they don't track the businesses in the GCC. The investors pool into India is different. They are uh, uh, mandated to uh, uh, to uh, invest into the India companies, whereas uh, GCC is a different set of investors. So those people were not investing into the India company. So what happened is that even while our business was doing very well in GCC and India, India got a very high multiple for the India component, which was only 20%. 80% of the stock was getting a much lower multiple. So that was the reason. Let's look at some of the issues facing the industry going forward, whatever the structure happens to be. And the big one that we get messages about is healthcare inflation, the rising cost of healthcare, particularly here in the UAE. One report I read recently put it at 8% a year. That's around the right ballpark. Why is that happening and what can we do about it? So there is a reality of the cost going up, uh, the input cost, uh, the doctors especially. If you look at our cost, uh, more than 50% of the total cost are uh, the HR cost. Of large part of that is uh, to getting uh, doctors from outside. Uh, 
unfortunately, we don't have the availability of uh, locally trained doctors to the extent that is required. So when we get people from outside, they are becoming expensive. That's one of the most important costs. Then, of course, other costs like you know, the, uh, the accommodation cost, all the costs for people to live here. Everything goes up. The rentals goes up. So there is an inflation. But unfortunately for the healthcare providers, there has been a big issue in the last five years because the insurance companies are now our, provide our customers. It is not the public. So we have to interact with the insurance companies who are very reluctant to increase the rates. And there is a huge strain when you look at the providers like us, hospitals, clinics, pharmacies. There's a significant strain for the healthcare providers. And we are now finding it difficult to get good talent into the country because of the lack of ability to pay them. Because the insurance companies are squeezing you, you have to squeeze salaries for doctors and nurses. Is that too simple? Yeah, it's, see, it's a, uh, see, the premiums have to go up. See, when you look at the Western countries, the GDP spent to their healthcare is uh, uh, 10% in most of the countries like UK or anywhere. US, it is 18%. In, uh, here, it may be 4 or 5%. So there is a reality that healthcare cost is much higher when compared to, uh, I mean, uh, other countries, here it's much lower. So that has to change. And there is a reality of uh, this going up. Somebody has to bear that. Ultimately, if the employer has to take care of the employee, that means they have to pay a higher premium, including us. We have large number of pe people. We have 32,000 pe people in the company. And we have to take care of our people and we have to pay more. So that is a reality if you have to get a good care for uh, your uh, illnesses. How will the aging population play into this? I know it's something you're looking at, quoting stats from the World Bank. The country, UAE share of population over 65, is currently about 1%. That's going to increase to 4%. Old people are expensive. Yeah. It's going to be definitely more expensive. There, uh, when you look at it, it's 80-20 rule. 80% of all your ex healthcare expenditure will be paid during the last 20% of your lifetime. So as people get old, more and more uh, uh, expenses are required because you get one illness over another and over another. And so the cost goes up. So when the population ages, naturally there is a requirement for more healthcare. So it's got good for healthcare providers and also there will be a strain on the economy. So there is going to be much more cost. So if you look at the insurance costs, people as they age, the cost goes up significantly. What about technology? What, what can that do? For example, artificial intelligence, you and others are investing in that, particularly for things like diagnostics. Then you've got telemedicine, which does cut costs a little bit. Are they, are, they, are they game changers or just marginal? Healthcare is going to be completely transformed in the next 10 years. Uh, because many of the other sectors, if you look at banking or travel or any of the retail, everything has changed. Healthcare hasn't changed much. Even now, somebody takes an appointment over the phone or online and goes to the doctor. It's going to change. There will be telemedicine coming in. More importantly, artificial intelligence and areas like that. I'll just tell you an example. If uh, diagnosis earlier, it was done by doctors, radiologists. Now it's going to be machines which will be reading the X-rays or the MRIs and all. One change. Another thing, if you are uh, 
looking at the data, a diagnosis, there will be a support by a diagnostic support system by the data which is behind you. And whatever you are doing, not only your hospital records, even your personal records like your wearables and all will be providing data to the doctors, which will tell the doctor what is this patient likely to have maybe after 10 years, 20 years. So it will become predictive. It will also become very participatory. The patient has to participate instead of just the doctor giving you a medicine. There has to be a participation. And it's also going to be very personalized. It's not that one drug fits for all. It will be different and this will be on the basis of genomics and uh, artificial intelligence. There will be personalized medicine, very, very uh, participatory medicine. And yeah. Dr. Mupin, we'll have to leave it there. Fascinating conversation. Dr. Azad Mupin, Astadium Healthcare. Thank you. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Let's get more on that big television deal in Saudi Arabia now. NBC, biggest broadcaster in the region, going public in Riyadh yesterday. 30% increase in the share price. Clearly, the punters like programs like this. Alhamdulillah, <laughs> One of the most popular Arabic language dramas on NBC at the moment. Joining us in the studio with some perspective, Fahim Aziz, Chief Executive Officer of Safa Capital here in Dubai. Morning, Fahim. Morning. 30% bounce on day one of trading after the NBC IPO. Were you surprised? Look, NBC is the biggest media company in, in the Middle East and, and uh, you know, be at that, uh, an Arabic-speaking media as well. I mean, the, the, the fundamentals of NBC are very, very interesting. You have, you have the, the 13 linear channels and the three radio channels. But what's most interesting about uh, NBC is essentially the new OTT streaming platform, which is Shahid. And the proceeds of the IPO itself is sort of drawing down, paying off their debt, but also building up the platform itself. And with a lot of homegrown content that comes from NBC itself, I think 30% is, is, is their own. Uh, it really provides them with an avenue to do that. And, and a captive market in the Middle East of about 477 million Arabic-speaking people is a huge market. Um, and all and seventy percent of the population being under the age of forty, I think it is really interesting for them because they really consume media now in a very different way to what people were consuming before. So, can NBC move from the the old final uh, old fashioned linear TV model, free to air channels funded by advertising, which is strained at the moment globally and here, to the more Netflix type model where people pay for a subscription? to Shahid, as you say? So I think, I think uh, you're quite right. I mean, their the, the advertising revenues have, have projected to go down from about 15 to 10%, but it's still a very cash-generative business for them. Uh, but they are very much focused now on the growth area, which is the OTT and streaming platform. And that sort of aligns, as I said, with their, their profile of the customers that they have who want to consume media in a very different way to the way pe- people were doing previously. And that really aligns to, to, to their own growth strategy. Uh, a, a lot of, a lot of the, 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 the OTT or the streaming wars that, that are going to happen in the future is going to be very much within this sector. You've got other players, obviously, here. You've got Stars Play is also in that area. But the, uh, NBC has a lot of content. They are 
focusing also on on sport uh, and that also aligns with Saudi Arabia as well in terms of how they're promoting themselves within the sporting area. You've got comments from the chairman and founder, Walid bin Ibrahim al-Ibrahim, who said, our ambitions are to be a global media and entertainment powerhouse. That word, global, I get them being a regional media powerhouse, no question there, but global, Fahim, is that realistic? So look, I think I think a lot of the, the sort of the, the champions of industry that you're seeing here coming from the, the Middle East have very much more of a global uh, view uh, in and and. and so the, the, those companies that are sort of born here uh, see their reach much more global. And with, with the access uh, that, they, that uh, the, the new sort of digital arena has, it allows them to go global, whereas pre- previously it, it didn't. And a lot of their content, 40 million uh, Arabic-speaking people outside of, uh, of the Middle East, Amina region, is a, a huge market for them to, to go into. Let's put this in the context of what's happening in Saudi Arabia. Yesterday, we also had the launch of a new stock market index in Saudi Arabia, the TASI 50. Brandy was very excited about that. I know you at Safa Capital have spent some time working over the past year, and, and others have as well, on revamping the stock market in Saudi Arabia. This is not just about one deal, is it? It's about a, a broader revamp of the Saudi market, is it not? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we were involved in the Saudi market almost 10 years ago in terms of helping them really restructure the, the, the stock market uh, and really key advisors to them in terms of uh, splitting up Tadawal into uh, three different entities, which is uh, Edo Mukasa and Tadawal, Tadawal itself. And I think, you know, on the back of what they've done uh, over the last 10 years, they've really led, led the foundation for where they are right now. And also we have the, the SME exchange as well uh, called uh, Nomu, which will also and has also encouraged the small and medium-sized companies to, to have a venue uh, to list. So what's going to happen next in terms of of stock markets here? We've had a boom in IPOs here in the UAE, a lot of them, but not all government privatisations. Of course, Aramco in Saudi Arabia was the £800 gorilla in the room. What happens next? Look, I think I don't. I think right now there is uh, uh, the Middle East markets are very hot for for IPOs. There isn't those same number of IPOs coming in in other markets across the world. Institutional investors are hungry for it as well. And also, uh, the the Saudi is a very much more of a retail market, um, and so people are looking for investment opportunities within within the Saudi market itself. And within a within a growing and attractive investment climate, uh, I think uh, that should continue. In terms of international investors, what appetite do they have for the region in general, including the UAE, but Saudi Arabia specifically? Are we seeing the hedge funds in Boston, Massachusetts or in Singapore investing into Saudi IPOs? So traditionally, actually, a lot of the institutional investors have always had an allocation to the Middle East, but really haven't found the diversification in the stock market that would allow them to come into the market. Obviously, getting MSCI listing uh, allowed them to to enter the market, but they are uh, 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 looking for the diversification in the market, and that is encouraging a lot more companies to list. I mean, if you look at the UAE, Dubai, uh, and and, uh, ADX, 
uh, you know, very much dominated by utilities, government-owned industries, uh, and real estate companies. The more different types of companies come, will diversify not only the market, but from a from a country perspective, will boost economic activity and investor confidence. So, finally, here in the UAE, we've got a lot of IPOs on the slab for this year. Some of them continue the privatization drive. We're expecting parking from the RTA in mm. Dubai to come soon, but also private sector companies. Yeah, I know you're looking at Lulu and Spinney's in the supermarket business, you're looking at Dubizzle, the tech company, what excites you most? So look, I think all of those really are, 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 are quite interesting because they're, we're now getting the big sort of private companies, again, you know, what I would describe the champions of, of, of their industry at the moment. Um, and that can only encourage more and more companies uh, to, to come. Um, I, I think as 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 more investors pile in and, and capital gravitates to these centres, uh, you will have a lot of a lot of different other companies coming coming on board, and that will also give investors the ability to get exit for their for their business as well. And and a vibrant stock market will allow them to do that. Twenty seconds left. Question coming in: What about video gaming for companies like NBC in the region? Just twenty seconds on that for him. Yeah, I mean that's. That's where they really sort of place themselves as well. So NBC are also looking at that as a subsector, uh, and, and and that again aligns themselves with the type and profile of the the customers that they have. Good talk to you. Appreciate your time this morning. Fahim Aziz is the chief executive of Safa Capital based here in Dubai, talking about the IPO of NBC, the broadcaster in Saudi Arabia. Just to recap, up thirty three zero percent yesterday on its stock market debut in Riyadh. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.